0: Bibles this morning to Habakkuk, the Old Testament, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse one I'll give you just a minute to get there, it took me a long time to find it too. <laughs> you hear those Old Testament names and you think, well, I... I I can find it, but it it does take a minute. We're not too used to reading Habakkuk, I don't think. When I looked in some of the commentaries to research Habakkuk, uh, I didn't find much. His private life is kind of hidden, but I sure did find a lot about uh, the times in which he lived. And we will get to those scriptures in just a minute. Habakkuk was a prophet to Judah at the same to Judah sometime after the fall of Nineveh, which was in 612 BC. His lifetime overlapped the lives of Jeremiah and Zephaniah, and he prophesied during troubled times. We can understand that. We live in troubled times ourselves. And we're going to make some comparisons when, when in just a minute. King Josiah, a godly man, had come to the throne of Judah and had enacted many reforms and then disaster struck. Josiah was killed in battle by the Pharaoh Necho, Josiah and Josiah's reforms were quickly cast aside. It, it seems that politicians of all ages are the same. They can't stay, stay, they can't stay satisfied with anything that's happening correct and good. We have an example of that in our day between, between President Trump, who had our economy running like a void on all the machine. And along come President Biden and his first day in office, what does he do? He starts doing away with all of that. And we're paying for it today. So we're not doing so well in that department. But times were terrible for Judah and for Habakkuk. But they became even worse when uh, Babylon came to the fore. Uh, Babylon was the New big kid on the block, and was, and anyone who opposed, opposed them was in trouble. Also, lawlessness and injustice were everywhere. Habakkuk put it this way Pl- plunder and violence are, are always before me. With all this evil and all these c- adverse conditions forced Habakkuk Habak, to do something strange. He was a prophet to Judah, but he, instead of talking to Judah, he began to talking to God on the, on the behalf of Judah. In other words, he was, he was praying. And well did he need to. He began to ask God some hard questions. Now, I'm sure they were not hard for God hard for Habakkuk I'm sure but uh, God is not surprised by anything so let's, let, let's look at uh, at Habakkuk's questions Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 1 oh Lord how long shall I cry and you will not hear you ever felt that away yeah me too even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plunder and violence are all, are before me. There is strife and contentions arise. Therefore, the law is, law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous therefore perverse judgments proceed sound familiar Amen. it does yes Habakkuk like most all of us didn't understand just exactly how God's works we want to instant answers to our prayers and God doesn't always give ans- instant answers Sometimes it's wait, sometimes it's no. And how long have you prayed for a loved one to be saved and it took 20, 30 years for it to happen? So our, answer, our prayers are not always answered right away. Someone has said that God takes the long view, the right view, the view of eternity. Quote Ron Wilson, who wrote the introduction to Habakkuk in my study Bible. He says, writes that two questions confront each generation. One is why do the wicked prosper? And the other is closely related why does God not hurry up and do something about all the evil in society and, and I would add to it in the world? It, it, there is evil everywhere you look. He goes on to say, is God aware of it? Does he care? Doesn't he understand that the injustices the injustice of the seemingly prosperity of the wicked while the righteous suffer? So this is exactly where Habakkuk was in his dilemma and he was not alone. We are pretty much in the same predicament today. As we read these first four verses of the book of Habakkuk, and my tone don't work on that always, you could very easily think you were listening to the newscast from the Fox News Channel. Notice that we too cry out to the Lord and it seems that He does not answer. Does not hear us. Notice first this morning that we too have a, a society that's filled with violence. Our young people young people join themselves to gangs and prey on the public and they become burglars, thieves, robbers, and worse, they kill for money. The youth of our day are also supporting themselves by selling drugs that they know are poison and that very often kills those that take it, and the terrible part of it is they don't care. They know what's going to happen when they disperse, disperse those pills, and it still kills. I just talked to a woman this morning who lost a sister to fentanyl. Somebody, has, she, somebody slipped her the pill. She didn't, didn't, didn't take it knowingly. Our young people shoot and kill people on whim, even imagined slight or insults, and sometimes for nothing worse than a hard look. There certainly is no shortage of violence in our our society. We too should cry out to God, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear. Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. We all need to pray for a spiritual revival for the church and a great awakening for those who do not know the Lord. I don't know what's going to happen to us if the Lord doesn't intervene, but it won't be pleasant. The second thing I would have you notice this morning is that we too have a society filled with iniquity. And Webster's Dictionary defines iniquity as a willful act of sin. And my question is, what is more wicked and sinful than willfully turning your back on Christ in unbelief. In Luke chapter 10, verse 16, we find Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he says, He who hears you, hears me. And he who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. And I want you to know this morning, folks, I don't want to be in that condition. One Christian author, I was, he wrote a book exposing the woke ideology and was was uh, trying to get some of the local libraries, and, and in fact, a great spread, many, a great many of them, to uh, allow him to present his book, and they wouldn't do it. And he, kind of, he got to checking and he found out that over 50 of them who had uh, uh, drag queen nights for uh, celebrations for, for children, and that, that is just about as evil as you can get. A real problem in our society is that we're, we're calling evil good and good evil and you never survive when you do that for very long. In addition to the public libraries, the secular left has been using our public schools for years to promote their radical ideology and attack Christianity. Christianity. And all, that's, all that is from those two paragraphs or a quote from the American Family Association. They, they send me stuff occasionally, and that was useful. I have to wonder just how long it will take for Christianity to be illegal in this country or a jailing offense or even worse. All this, again, is just another sign that we need a spiritual revival for the church church and a great awakening for those who are in unbelief. The third thing this morning, like Habakkuk, we too live in troubled times. By using some very twisted logic, some of our public officials have blamed the high crime rate on the police force in the cities. Uh, I think the thought is if they didn't arrest people, it wouldn't have such a high crime rate. But I'm here to tell you that the police have got an answer for that. The answer is if you can't take, do the time, don't do the crime. Uh, I have to admit this morning that I am pro-police. I, I lost a son in, on the police, Little Rock Police Department back in 2000. He was killed in the line of duty. This uh, crime rate has soared, and policemen have been ambushed and murdered, and they are in short supply. For nobody nowadays wants to become a policeman. They've lost all their support and all their backing from the, the city officials and the public. What you know? What can you expect? And why should they want to? Anyone want to become a policeman? So what we're seeing on our streets is a battle between good and evil. And the fourth thing, like Habakkuk, we will feel like saying to God, justice never goes forth, justice never wins out. We feel like saying that way sometimes, especially when we see somebody that's uh, done a crime that we are something terrible and we see them get away with a slap on the wrist or, or not even any jail time at all. Due to corrupt prosecutors, the police can arrest someone and he's back on the street before they can do the paperwork. Habakkuk asked hard questions, as we sometimes do, but God did eventually answer Habakkuk. Not a pleasant answer. Not an answer I would like for our country at all. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. And this print, I'm going to have to have glasses, kind of small. Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded. Now this is God talking to Habakkuk. This is his answer. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. And everything after that is disaster. For indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwellings, places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. In other words, not from God, but themselves. They make their own rules. Uh, It's like a case of, of everyone doing what was right in his own eyes. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead and their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They will all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings. Princes are scorned by them and derided derided in every stronghold. For they heap up earth and mounds and seize it. So, what was, Judah's future was not pleasant. In other words, they were going away into captivity. And they were going to be there for 70 years. I kind of wonder what that would look like in our case. Uh, hmm. we're right yeah. When we cry out, oh Lord, the answer is there is an answer. And the answer is, the God is sovereign. He does what He pleases on heaven and earth. In chapter 2, verse 4, we have some good advice from Habakkuk. And it's simply, when we're in that situation, whether it's Habakkuk or us in our day, which I don't know that we're going into captivity, but I hope not, and he, what he says is, the just shall live by faith. Uh, caught up in terrible times like that, and that was his answer. So that's what we could what we Christians can do when it appears that God has determined to punish our nation for its sin. And like I said again, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't know that it will, but it's quite likely. Uh, We have aborted millions of babies. We have turned our back on the Lord. And you couldn't blame him for doing what he thinks is right. Notice what Habakkuk did. He prayed for revival, Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shigano. O oh Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O oh Lord, revive your works in the midst of the years, and in the midst of the years make it, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. He was absolutely throwing himself upon the mercy of God. Is what he was doing in his country. Porter L. Barrington writes, God's people, whether a congregation, a church, a mission, a school, a family, or even an individual, sometimes leave their first love, as did the church of Ephesus. Difficulties arise. Time passes. Emphasis change. Key people move away, and almost unnoticed, the life and the zeal for the Lord has vanished. That seems to be what has happened in our country. And this little church is not not, not, not any different than most. We're just a remnant are here. When that happens, it's past time to pay Pray for revival. I have uh, some notes in my Bible that tells us what revival today should look like. And it lists 21 things. Now, I'm not going to share all of them with you, but I'm going to share about half of them with you. What revival would look like. It says, Habakkuk, some six centuries before Christ, prayed for revival. He desired to see God's work, live again, and revival, and what revival would reflect. It would be a renewed living faith, is the first one. The second, a new commitment to God to be faithful to worship and church attendance. A greater zeal and a desire to study God's word and to pray. A renewed effort to win souls and participate in missions. A putting away of sins, including criticism, grumbling, and gossip. A renewed joy in the Lord, and that one rings a bell with me. A greater spirit of love and forbearance among God's people. A greater impact of of witness in the community and nation. A rising love and praise to God for his abundant goodness. And a loyalty sound doctrine. And a little note I've written on the side there, we did this many years ago, and it's Spirit of the Living God fall fresh on me. Mold me, make me, use me, Spirit of the Living God fall fresh on me. I, many years ago, I acquired two books, and it was the complete works of Rudyard Kipling. He's a fine poet, and he has a, 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 I don't know what you'd call it, a poem or a prayer, or maybe both, that we should pay attention to today. It goes like this, and it's called recessional, God of our fathers, known of old Lord of our far-flung battle line beneath whose awful hand we hold dominion over palm and pine Lord God of hosts be with us yet least we forget least we forget the tumult and the shouting dies the captains and the kings depart still stands thine ancient sacrifice a humble and contrite heart Lord God of hosts be with us yet lest we forget lest we forget now he wrote that for his own country which was England but it could very well be a prayer for our country as well and again I I can't say that uh, that the Lord's going to bring a terrible event like that upon us, but he might, and he's well within his rights to do so. But, you know, prayer changes things. And uh, I guess the whole point of this message is pray for our country, pray for a great awakening, and pray for a revival. It's something we very well need. And Habakkuk's day is a whole lot like our day. Now, uh, Judah went away into captivity for 70 years, but they did come back. The Lord was merciful. In in wrath, he did remember mercy. It just took him longer to get around to it than we would think would be necessary. (laughs) And I'm sure it was true for Judah. And that is our message this morning. Let us pray. Father God, we just bow before you and we we just pray, Lord, for our country. We pray for awakening. We pray for revival. Lord, we pray that our whole nation will turn back to God. And we pray, Lord, that you'll preserve us. And Lord, in the wrath, remember mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.